Novak Djokovic wins his 10th Australian Open, his 22nd slam, and captures the world number one ranking as well against the final Sitsipas, beating him in straight sets, 6-3, 7-6, A match which we're going to break down, an interesting match to say the least. And the Sitsipas, it's not the result he would have wanted, but there are some positives to take from it. But Djokovic, of course, he has the victory. He has the celebratory Grand Slam, and not just that, but he's equaled now Nadal's tally of 22 slams, and he's on the hunt. He's on the hunt. Before we get into it, though, remember to hit that like button and do subscribe if you are new. Also, do leave a rating or a review if you're listening on a podcast platform. Okay, let's get into this then, because uh, we've just we've just literally done the live commentary for the match. We did the play-by-play commentary. Thank you to everyone that joined in. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and break it down set by set, because I do think... There were differences, especially in that first set anyway, uh, compared to the second and third set. So first set, you know, for Sitsipas, he started pretty slowly, to say the least. Um, it wasn't ideal from Sitsipas, and he managed to really struggle throughout his service games. Djokovic came out and looked fresh. Um, I know a lot of people are banking potentially for neutrals anyway, or Sitsipas fans are probably banking on him coming out relatively sluggish, and then Sitsipas being able to break early or take the first set. That wasn't the case, and it hasn't been the case throughout the whole of the Australian Open, really, as well. He's only lost one set, and it wasn't the first set. Now, the reason why that's been the case is because Djokovic has been a lot more aggressive generally anyway, and when it's come to the baseline exchanges, especially on the forehand side, he's been a lot more attacking on that forehand. He's tried to open up on it on the into-out forehand as well, and his serve has been really potent throughout. An interesting stat as well that came up, which was... The tour average, or the average, I guess, for the Australian Open in terms of uh, breaks of serve converted was 75% early on in a, in a set or in a match. For Djokovic, he was at 96%. So that means he'd only not broken once when he'd been given the opportunity early in a match. Incredible. I mean, just completely clinical from someone who epitomizes that word. He really does, Djokovic. And that's what this, this display was. It wasn't a display of... This wasn't Djokovic at his best. It wasn't. But it was Djokovic at his best mentally and tactically. I don't think physically and in terms of the way you're seeing the ball, he was at his best. No way. But he didn't need to be. Because he is one of the goats and these guys manage themselves perfectly when it comes to these types of massive occasions. Especially against people like Asitsapas who are from that generation coming up or are now the now generation, I guess, they're still struggling to really get to grips with it. Only Medvedev is the only one uh, to beat you know, Djokovic on Nadal in the final. And that's exactly what he did at the US Open in 2021. We have to remember the pressure Djokovic was under, given he was one match away from completing the calendar slam. So I think we have to factor that in as well, maybe now, given what we've seen since then. So the first set, as I said, Djokovic came out quickly. And then he got the break of serve midway through the set. Sitsipas gave up the break of serve with a double fault, which is really poor, in my opinion. He wasn't timing the ball particularly well. Um, the forehand wasn't really working as well as it normally does. And he wasn't hitting a lot of first serves as well. So it kind of made sense and was in fit with how the set was going that he lost that first set. And you can see here that eventually he got up to 60%, but that was after he got broken as well. So he started ramping it up. And by that point, it was too late. Djokovic had 94% of first serve points won, which is crazy. 
Um, Breakpoint saved two out of three. You can see that for Steph. Uh, so he did save some, but eventually got broke on the double fault. Uh, so yeah, I mean, winning some for Sarah's as well, not great for, for Steph there. And the damning stat for me was the fact that he only came forward once. And what happened in the first set is he came forward to the net once. He hit a forehand approach. Then he hit a serve out wide from the juice side. He dragged Djokovic out. He got the short of all, he went forehand on the line. And the forehand approach down the line was pretty good. Djokovic read it, though, completely, so he got across very quickly. Since fast approaches the net, and he gets passed with a backhand down the line. Sorry, backhand cross, even. Djokovic just crunches it. Since the pass, immediately stops coming to the net, uh, which is why he only came to the net once, you can see, in the first set. In the second set, the complexion of the match changed because Sitsipas started to hold easier on serve. He was making more first serve. He was hitting his spots better. Forehand started working better as well. Uh, and that was good to see. With Djokovic, he started making a few more errors than we're used to seeing from him, especially on the backhand side. I think that was a ridiculous stat, which uh, for the match, if I'm not mistaken, Djokovic only hit... Uh, so it was just before the match ended. So I think it was five or six forehand unforced errors. Steph was in the 20s. In the 20s, I think it was at 25 forehand unforced errors for the whole match. I mean, that's just <laughs> so many. And there were a lot of errors on the forehand. And of course, he does hit the forehand in an attacking fashion. But to be honest with you, so does Djokovic now. And they showed a stat and both forehands were being hit at the same speed throughout the whole tournament. And not just speed. Speed isn't the only thing, but winners-wise, I imagine Djokovic has hit just as many as well. So it's not really a case of, you know, Djokovic has a more attacking forehand than Djokovic. Now, I don't think that's the case. I think Djokovic has the ability to hit just as an attacking forehand, but he can also mix it up on the forehand side as well. And Sisvats does have the defensive ability as well on the forehand side generally, which is pretty good for the most part. But yeah, let him down, I think. His level wasn't as high as I was expecting. I was expecting him to be at a higher level. Maybe my expectations were too high, or maybe he just wasn't able to find that level. It's not it's not his first Grand Slam final, so I was hoping that would help. But given he was maybe in Australia, it's a second chance against someone who probably had mental scoring against, given he conceded a two sets to love lead against in the final of Ryan Garros. The crowd be a bit more pressure given there's more Greek people in there. I don't know whether that played a factor, but there was a there were improvements, and we'll get onto that in a second. And the second and third sets, he gave it a good go. He did, and Djokovic's level, as I said, wasn't at the highest that we've seen, and he gave first some chances. In the second set, Djokovic made a couple of errors, a couple of unforced errors. One was uh, a backhand, uh, actually that. Should have been put away. He got the shorter ball on return from Sitsipas, but went back end on the line, swerved wide, opened up a break point. And um, Sitsipas then had a break and set point in that second set, thanks to that error. He gets a second serve to look at. And this was a theme of the whole match. The second serve of Djokovic into the backhand of Sitsipas from the ad court. It was a kick serve pretty much every time almost into the backhand. Sitsipas tried to run around it a couple of times in the first set. He realized it wasn't working. The forehand wasn't good enough. He wasn't able to give himself enough time to hit a good enough forehand. So he goes, okay, I'll hit the backhand. Keep on hitting it. There are a few decent returns um, that 
you know, ended up opening up some chances. But generally, I have to say, pretty poor. And uh, he hit a backhand down the middle of the court for that return. Very loopy. There's a lot of loopy, missing backhands from Sitsipas mid-court, um, you know, middle of the court, no angle, no depth really on re- on that second serve return. Didn't really make Djokovic try and play at all. Wasn't able to, I don't think, maybe as well, just ability-wise in that, in that scenario. I just, I just don't think he's comfortable hitting it. And, uh, yeah, so he ended up going over the court. Djokovic then started controlling the rally. They get into a backhand-to-backhand exchange. And that's exactly where, Djok- where Djokovic wants Sisvaz to be and where Sisvaz doesn't want to be. And we talked about it in the preview in quite a lot of depth. So Sisvaz sticks with it, though, because he doesn't have a choice because Djokovic has just trapped him in the backhand corner. And he goes backhand, cross-court, but it's not got enough angle on it. And Djokovic makes it into an into him forehand. And the interim forehand is a winner. He saves the breaking set point and he holds. That was at 4-5. At 4-5 in the second set. And Sitsipas was a bit cautious, I think. And the reason I say that is they did get into the backhand to backhand exchange. But before that, the most of forehands exchanged. He did have a chance to open up more on the forehand. I think you're trying to be patient and trying to see whether Djokovic would make a mistake. But I think. In those scenarios, you should know that these guys are going to up their level for the most part. You've got to take the point away from them. And I feel like he didn't quite do that. And that was a little bit disappointing. But this match was about small margins, especially in the second and third sets, given there were two tiebreakers. It really was. It wasn't a thrashing. It was just a... Maybe a... A realisation that despite the fact that these guys skill-wise are catching up, maybe they're still quite applying themselves in the right way to, to beat these guys. And yes, two tiebreakers looks great on paper, but it's a pretty set victory loss. That's not great. Especially given the last time they played him in a Grand Slam final, he was two sets to love up. And he must have been five. That's a better result, at least, right? He put himself in a good position, one sets off him. I know on the clay, it's a different proposition. Djokovic is still amazing on the clay, but this is his home. World Labour Arena, Australian Open, hardcore. Uh, for Sitsipas, though, you know, he's had a lot of success here as well. Made you know, two semi-finals in the past two years and then made the final here now. So he's actually got the best record of any slam at the Australian, at the Australian Open. Sorry, excuse me. So, yeah, I'm not really sure how much we can look into that. But, you know, in the second set, he held his own for the most part on serve. And I'll bring on the stats for the second set. You can see here, yeah, 68% first serves in, which is good. 74% of first serve points won. And slightly edged the second serve points won. 54% to 50% for Djokovic. Djokovic slightly edged the first serve points won. 78% to 74%. Uh, when it's on for serves, 13 to 17 for Sitsipas. 10 to 11 for Djokovic. Net points won came to the net more nine times. Six out of nine points won. Three out of six for Djokovic. That's that second set. But the part about that second set, of course, is a tiebreaker. Sisabaz had a mare in the tiebreak. He really did. He went down early straight away. I think he was 4-1. Made a lot of mistakes. Got broken. He served first. He got broken straight away. Um, and it was just, it was a mistake. The mistakes on the forehand. He was shanking the forehand. Going wide, going long. The backhand was doing the same. It was just, it was painful to watch at times in that tiebreaker because he'd given himself such a good chance to win that set. Level things up in the slam. 
uh, in the slam final and instead found himself 4-1 down. He brought it back to 4-3, had two serves. And it's like, okay, it's on Djokovic's serve, 4-3. Great opportunity, right? And then he loses it. He ends up to go on and lose 7-4. Uh, he lost that next point. So 5-3, 6-3, then I think you're 6-4, 7-4. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. We can break it down as analytically as you want in that tiebreaker. Steph generally mentally has been better at being able to hold serve when he's been in trouble and, and hold his nerve, and that's been great, and I'm, I'm impressed by that. What I'm not impressed with, though, is the lack of consistency in that mental game when it comes to a tiebreaker and also just staying dialed in. He definitely had drop-offs in big moments, and look... At this level, in grandstand finals against greats, you need to be almost flawless in your game. And unfortunately, he wasn't. And maybe it's just a step too far for him. Maybe he needs to have a grandstand final against someone who isn't named Novak Djokovic. Um, because both times it's happened, he's come out second best. But there have been improvements, I think, in his game generally. The backhand on the line is a is a really good improvement. I've, I like seeing that. Um, but Djokovic has managed that tiebreak so well. He actually double faulted, I think, as well to make it 4-3. And you're thinking, okay, he's given him a gift here. And Sisvash just didn't cash in. In fact, he was serving a 4-3. So, you know, it's not great from Sisvash, I mean, honestly, in terms of being able to be clinical and really showing that he's clutching those big moments. But Djokovic, he just managed it so well. Managed it so well. He with enough depth, enough uh, angle, really moved Sinspass around in that tiebreaker, made him feel uncomfortable. And to be honest with you, there were some points where he didn't have to do much because Sinspass has made an error early straight away. There was one point where he hit a second serve and the backhand one flush shot went long straight away. I'm just like, what? <laughs> no, crazy. And to happen once is fine, but it happened a few times, uh, which I think was the issue. And the third set was a similar story, to be honest with you. I guess the only difference in the third set is that he didn't have a set point, and that was crucial. He takes that set point at 5-4 up on Djokovic's serve, and we're going into the third set, and it's a completely different situation. Complexion of the match has changed completely. Instead, he went into the third set thinking, damn, I've just lost the tiebreaker. But he still did well, in my opinion, to come back and pick himself up and then still push Djokovic to a tiebreaker. That was impressive to me. Um, he did have a break of serve in the opening game. He took it. It was gifted, really, from Djokovic in the end. But he opened it up with some really good returning, deep, right at the feet of Djokovic, and made him pay for it in the end. Opened up 15-40. Djokovic then made the error at 30-40 um, after Sisvass's shank to forehand. He kind of just serve out wide. Sisvass gives him the short slice return. Djokovic comes forward. He's got the whole open court to aim at. Instead, he tries to go cross court with an angle, misses it, break of serve. But then the very next game, Sisvask gets broken back. Um, Djokovic with some really good returning, yes. But Sisvask also stopped finding his first serve suddenly and then started making errors. And it's almost like he didn't want, want to have the lead. He just kind of gave it away. And that was a bit, that was a little bit disheartening I think as someone just watching you're just thinking come on if you want to see a longer match if you want to see a competitive match that's not what you want to see uh, and I can imagine if you're a fan of Stefano Sitsipas you're probably thinking you know what, what does he need to do like what does he need to change because he seems to have the tools to be able to trouble these players 
it's just about piecing it together and consistently stringing points together uh, and games together in in these types of finals and these types of really high pressure situations to come out on top. Uh, and that was a real shame that he broke and then he got broken back straight away because I just think he was a lack of application. He he just took his eye off the ball slightly. Uh, then from there it was pretty straightforward. I mean both players holding serve relatively easily, and then we got to the tiebreaker. Now, Steph was returning first, so Novak was serving first, and he sets the tone straight away. Massive serve, down the tee, sits fast, slices it into the net, easy as you like. Now, what I want to say, actually, before I go on to the tiebreak, actually, as well, is fair play to Steph in that he had to serve twice to stay in the match, and he did so, and did so easily as well in the end. I was very impressed with that, and his use of... Coming to the net in the second and third sets is really good. Dragged, sits pass out, hit, you know, took the ball early in the dry volley. Generally, the volley was good. I know he missed a couple of volleys that he probably should have put away, especially in the tiebreakers, but generally was pretty good as well. And it was the right tactic to utilize. Then the tiebreaker, he finds himself after that first point. He, fine, okay, doesn't hold serve. Then gets broken in both service points. Struggles to find his first serve. And he finds himself 6-1 down. Um, I mean, or 6-2 down, sorry, even. 5-1 down it was at the time. So 6-2, and he saves two of those championship points with big serves, big points, big forehand plays. Fantastic. Really, really clutch. And then Djokovic serving for the championship, right? Um, bit of nerves, doesn't matter. Gets his first serve in. They get into a rally. Djokovic hits it into in forehand. Sitsvast uh, can't kind of slice it back into play. Goes long. Djokovic drops to his knees. 10th Australian Open done. Completed. He's never lost a semi-final or final at the Australian Open. 22nd slam. He's coming for Nadal, of course. They're now equal. And he becomes world number one. For Sitsipas, you know, there, there's some positives, as I said, to take from it. There's improvements on the backhand. The return generally has improved a little bit. His net game, you know, is good. And I, I just... I'm not sure why he didn't utilize it more. And we can look at set three, and actually, the times he came to the net. He came to the net only seven times. But look at that, six out of seven points, one at the net. But look at this from Djokovic, 17 winners to four unforced errors. I mean, tidy as you like. And for the match, we've got the stats here. Six pass served really well, 15 aces, seven for Djokovic, three double faults apiece. Uh, first serve percentage, very similar. First serve points one, though, and second serve points one. Djokovic edged him. And when it's done for Serres, uh, this, this is the issue, right? 40 winners for Sitsipas, 42 unforced Serres. You can't be hitting more unforced Serres than winners in a Grand Slam final and expect to win it. But then 71% of net points won, 12 out of 17. Should have come forward more. 36 winners to 22 unforced Serres for Djokovic. 67% of net points won, 10 out of 15. So... You know, I mean, look, it's easy for me to sit here and say, well, Sitsipas didn't play particularly well and Djokovic was clutch and he won. And he, he was, he was clutch in the end. He won, he was clinical, fantastic performance. He deservedly so, had a really good tournament as well, given that he had, he seemed like he was slightly hampered as well, of course, with the hamstring. But Sitsipas had a fantastic tournament. Easy for me to sit here and say he didn't play at the level I expected. And it, it wasn't the level I expected. But in saying that, there are improvements there. And if he wins those two tiebreakers, which... Look, he lost them 7-4, So, you know, a few points, you know, go his way. And he ends up going into a fourth set, two sets to one up. Instead, it wasn't to be. He still wouldn't have been the favorite from that position. But, 
my prediction of Djokovic winning in four sets fell a little bit flat. Since uh, I did have the set point in the second set, but he didn't repay really my faith in him taking a set. For Djokovic, he marches on and he looks really good. The forehand potency is unreal. And um, I think that's the issue that Sitsipas had in the forehands, forehand exchanges. Yes, he had some success, but not as much success as he would have had in the past anymore. Djokovic's forehand is just becoming and is now a monster shot. It really is. Um, I guess one of the other positives for Steph to take is in the longer rallies, he did win a fair few of them. That was a positive, kept his call in some of them. Uh, for Djokovic, though, you know, he did what he needed to do. And you could see he was relieved, happy to win. He'll probably go back, have a big rest. Um, I imagine he's not 100% fit. So the way the way that he's won this is uh, mighty impressive. And we've seen, you know, Djokovic do it. We've seen Nadal do it with a foot, I guess, as well. Um, at Ronan Garros, for example. So, look, I mean, these guys just find a way to win. Uh, and they manage themselves beautifully. And Djokovic shortened the points and tried to when he could because he knew probably he didn't want to get engaged and didn't want to engage in really long rallies in case it went four or five sets. Um, and he was right to do that because it could have well done given the two tiebreakers, but he got it done in the end. Thank you very much, guys. Stay safe for a while. Remember to hit the like button. Do subscribe if you're new. Also, do leave a rating or review if you're listening on a podcast platform. We'll see you guys very soon. Thank you very much.